Before we get started, I'd like you to exhale the biggest exhale that you've taken today and spend the time of the intro music noticing your breath. that did you try it did you spend the last you know I mean it was only like 15 seconds did you spend 15 seconds checking in with your breath maybe even like slowing it down a little bit if not it's okay I think I got this bright idea that I was gonna start conditioning you all to hear the music at the beginning of my episodes and at the end too a little outro the same intro and outro song I hope it helps you cultivate a sense of peace uh, when you start listening to one of these podcast episodes. And if it doesn't right now, maybe it will because I'm going to condition you. I'm going to add that little extra. Maybe I won't add it every time. But hopefully now that I'm mentioning it, when you hear that song, maybe it will cue something in your brain now that I've pointed it out and said it to exhale a big exhale, and then spend about 15 seconds paying attention to your breath. Maybe I'll continue to give you a few little reminders. I don't know. Maybe I won't. But I thought that was a great little thing to do because, first of all, um, a part of me feels like that intro music is, like, too long. Like, maybe I should shorten it. Um, But I really like it, so I don't think I'm going to. Uh, It makes me feel peaceful, so I'm hoping to pass that feeling of peace on to you. So maybe you get about 15 seconds or so when you, I mean, maybe you could click the little fast forward 15 seconds button. If you really hate the intro music, just start the episode and click that button. But maybe not. Maybe you take it as a cue to exhale and spend just 15 seconds noticing your breath. And the name of the game today is conditioning. So that's why I start with that real life example. I'm going to condition you to hear that song and it's going to be your cue to notice your breath and recenter and exhale and just calm down for even 15 seconds, okay? So what I'm talking about is neural pathways and the analogous yoga philosophy concept I have for you related to that is samskaras, which basically in a nutshell translates to like impression. That's a a common way to interpret that word, but it actually breaks down to root words that mean Sam means action, or sorry, I got that backwards. Sam means join together, um, and kara means action. So when you think about actions joined together, or what fires together, wires together. So let's dive into that a little bit, right? What, what do I actually mean when I say what fires together, wires together? For example, when... You what I what we're talking about is conditioning. So if you've ever heard of the Pavlov's dog experiment um, or the Pavlovian, if you've ever heard that term used, it's really common. If you've never heard of it, uh, I'll give you a quick synopsis. It's where he was he was a behavioral scientist, right? Psychologist, whatever. He would his experiment was he rang a bell, and every time he rang the bell, these dogs got a treat, and then eventually he rang the bell and didn't give the dogs a treat. But what they found out was that when he rang the bell and didn't give the dogs a treat, they were so conditioned to expect a treat that they actually salivated and, you know, so physiological processes started happening related to that that cue, which is a cue from sensory information. So that's why I'm trying that's why I use the example when you hear the cue of hearing the intro music to one of my episodes. Hopefully, if I do it enough times, remind you enough times, exhale at the beginning of the, you know my episodes when you hear the intro music, and all I, I could just say exhale, and then you hear the song, and then if you practice it enough times, you'll start hearing the songs. I won't even have to tell you to exhale, and you will 
notice your breath and settle into the episode, settle into your breath, no matter what you're doing. Even if you're doing this while you're like working or walking or, um, you know, washing the dishes. I don't know. That's the kind of stuff I do when I listen to podcasts. So maybe you do too. Um, so no matter what you're doing, even if your mind is occupied doing something else, I hope to condition you to hear my intro music and kind of chill out. I hope I condition it like deep in your psyche to make you feel peaceful. That's, that's what I'm going for. Okay. So, and we're talking about conditioning here. That's the idea. And we all have, we're conditioned to do a lot of things. So this can be about habits too, which is why this is a great natural progression to, um, the last episode I did about incremental change, right? That was all about your habits, your lifestyle, and so this is kind of coming at that. That was a, a little bit more about habits and, and creating the life you want to live from a behavior science standpoint, like psychology. Um, the stages of change is what I use there. You can go back and listen to it if you haven't. Um, but just to give you a little fresher refresher, um, there's stages of readiness for change, and then you get into, you know, the the pre-change, the preparation, and then maybe you get into action and before you and that's where you're like kind of messing up a little bit maybe you're like dipping in and out of the new habit and then you get in maintenance and that's when the new habit is formed and then you could also experience a relapse where you go back to the old behavior or maybe that new behavior new habit you cultivated doesn't serve you anymore for whatever reason I talked about some examples of why that might be the case in the last episode but let's say you know, according to Ayurveda, maybe the season changed or something. And so you spent all winter, you know, the fall kind of developing the habit of eating more root vegetables because that's living in alignment with the seasons. And now it's not the fall or the winter anymore. So you have to kind of develop a new behavior of eating more um, seasonally aligned foods. So seasons change, things change, life's always changing, right? And we're always needing to change our behavior, so we're going to attack that from a different point of view today, and that's the neuro- neuroscience standpoint. So we're talking about neural pathways and conditioning and samskaras, which is the yoga philosophy um, counterpart. It, it basically is referring to conditioning. Samskaras are. So uh, it's like a pathway, right? And when you when you start... Let's say you go through some thick woods and you take the same route every time. Eventually, you're going to, like, wear down the grass. And then there's going to only be dirt there because you've been walking on the same spot. And then the more you do it, the more you create a path. Or water does the same thing, right? So we'll think about it from that standpoint. But the neuroscience is going back to what fires together, wires together. Um... So what that means, let's break it down a little bit more, is like when there's a trigger, there then will be an action. So what I'm hoping to cultivate for you is when you hear the trigger of my intro music, then you take the action of noticing your breath and maybe even cultivating a deeper breath and coming into a sense of peace, right? So then that would become a habit. So what we want to do, there's a trigger, action, reward, and then something becomes a habit. So it has to be rewarding for you to want to keep doing it, right? And so that's why I'm hoping the reward you get from noticing your breath when you hear my intro music is a sense of peace or a sense of centeredness or groundedness or whatever that feels like for you when you become present with your breath, even for 15 seconds, right? So that's a habit I'm hoping to condition into you, right? This is just like a fun example. Um, But this could apply to a lot of things in your life. So let's think of another example because I should acknowledge that my little example that I've been using while it's been fun about trying to make condition you all to do something, that's not like what we're really talking about here. I'm not talking about taking what you learn from this episode and trying to convince your spouse to do something else or, you know what I mean? Like this isn't, we're not talking about trying to change other people with this. I mean, you could, but let's not go there. 
at least on this episode, right? So we're talking about internal change. We're talking about a change that you want to make for yourself. That's what we've been talking about last episode and this episode. So what's an example? Um, This is something that I actually learned about these concepts together in relation to recovery from addiction, right? Um, Like addiction is a very deep samskara, very deep neural pathways to where the point to the point where you can't even make your own uh happy chemicals, you know, like serotonin and endorphins very well anymore. Anyway, so that's like a, a different story. I'm not going to entirely go there because um while that is a huge part of what I want to talk about is uh, stuff that is valuable for people in addiction. I want this to be valuable for um, people that that maybe are in recovery and are trying to change some other behavior. Maybe you're not in recovery and you just want to eat better or exercise more. So let's use exercise as our example. Let's say you have you don't have an exercise program and you want to have an exercise program. So you or yo- home yoga practice or meditation or whatever it is that you want to to do. So we have to, you want to condition yourself to make it a habit, right? So there are several factors that go into making something a habit. Like we already talked about the, um, the trigger action and reward system to make something a habit. And that's kind of what we're talking about when we say what fires together, wires together. So when you have a super solid habit, it's like, okay, when I wake up in the morning, I exercise, you know, and so maybe that's the trigger is like waking up and you do this thing first thing when you wake up. But I don't want to use that as the example because I feel like a lot of people in the wellness space, especially in the yoga space, act like doing your yoga practice first thing in the morning, first thing when you wake up is like the only way. And While it is a really good way, a really solid way, because then it's like you wake up, you haven't had any um, kind of input in the day, like you do this before you look at, so maybe, maybe that's your thing. Maybe you wake up in the morning and you look at your phone and you don't want to do that anymore. Maybe you want to get up and start your day before you look at your phone. Maybe that's the behavior you want to cultivate. I don't know. So you have to do something else in its place. Um, But that's what uh, what I want to get at is that's not the only way to have a successful um, home yoga practice or home exercise practice or home meditation practice or whatever the case may be that you're trying to cultivate, especially as a kind of new-ish mom. So my kid is a year and a half old. He's not like uh, like brand new, but he still kind of wakes up with not any consistency and he needs like full-time attention when he wakes up, he can't just wake up and take care of himself. Right. So sometimes, and sometimes he still wakes up in the middle of the night. So this is for anybody, whether you're a new parent or not, maybe you have some other reason, maybe you work nights or whatever, some other reason why, um, being told that having to do your home yoga practice or home meditation practice or whatever in the morning doesn't work for you because it doesn't work for me. Cause I'm like, I set my alarm pretty early and still sometimes my kid, wakes up before me or whatever. So another fact, like one of the factors that we'll talk about related to forming a good habit is rigidity around that habit. So maybe your intention is to work out or do the thing or whatever it is you want to do first thing in the morning, but sometimes something happens, you oversleep or you stay up too late or, or whatever. Um, your kid keeps you up all night. I don't know to where you don't do it. Uh, so then all is not lost, right? Like, it's not like, well, I didn't do it at six in the morning, so I can't do it at all today, right? So that's rigidity around the habit. So we also don't want to get caught up in the what the hell effect, I've heard it called. So like, maybe you're trying to cultivate a new healthier diet and you eat like a crappy meal. So then you're like, oh, what the hell? I'm just I'll try again on Monday or whatever, you know, like all is not lost just because you slipped or messed up or whatever, right? So setbacks are 
a part of the process. Absolutely. Like that's what we're talking about with conditioning is um, you just do it once. It doesn't become what you do all the time just because you did it once or 10 times. You know, there's this uh, saying that goes around. I hear it a lot in the wellness space is that it takes 30 days for something to become a habit. But according to neuroscience, it takes closer to 60. It actually can, you know, it's obviously like a lot of things, not the same for everybody, right? But a solid estimate is 60 days. That's two months, eight weeks. That's a long time, right? So you have to do something over and over and over again for it to become really ingrained. And that's what we're talking about, neural pathways and samskaras, right? We want something to become super ingrained that it becomes our lifestyle because that's sustainable. So I was kind of, I touched on that a little bit last time about the like diet culture example that if you're always doing diets, right? Oh yeah. And I told you I was doing whole 30 and guess what? I did not stick to it perfectly for the whole 30 days. I didn't. Um, I actually, but what I did end up doing was getting my diet a lot back on track to how I want to be eating. I did stop drinking the sugary coffees, which in some ways was like the main goal for me, right? Um, so, so that's what we're talking about is like, we don't want to have too much rigidity because that's going to backfire, right? If I had just been like, oh, I messed up my whole 30 diet. So I'm just like, all bets are off. No, that's not what I did. I was doing it imperfectly. I'm still doing it imperfectly. It's not 100% to like the whole 30 guidelines, but I'm eating whole foods like I want to, you know, and I quit, um, broke that little sugar habit I had going on, right? Uh, with the, the sugary coffees. So this is what we're talking about. Um, having, losing some rigidity and sticking to it to push through your setbacks, right? Um, so that's another example is like what happens when you fail? Do you have another habit that you're conditioned to do? That was what we call the what the hell effect is that. So the trigger is you you don't, you fall off path of whatever goal or behavior you're trying to do, right? And then, so then maybe your action from that is um, you just go completely off path. And then, yeah, so that maybe that's another kind of conditioned loop you have. And so we want to get out of that too. You know, we don't want to be caught up in this shame cycle of like, oh, I messed up. So I'm just like, all bets are off with whatever thing I'm trying to have. I actually, that's a lot, has a lot to do with my kind of philosophy around recovery as well. I'm like, why, you know, this is the neuroscience says that, uh, having a shame cycle around setbacks is like not the thing to do. It's going to make things worse having a shame cycle. So we need to have some self compassion and not because it it is that shame cycle that's going to put you on that. What the hell effect, um, kind of trajectory, right. Is like, oh, I relapsed, now I got to go pick up my white chip in front of everybody and get freaking shamed. Even if everybody's really nice about it, it's still in some ways kind of like public shaming, um, you know, whatever. So we don't, we don't want to have a shame cycle around our setbacks, whatever that is, whether it's your diet or you're trying to stop some behavior. So in most cases, when you're trying to start a new behavior – There is an old behavior that you're trying to get rid of, right? Like, um, if, like for me, I was trying to clean up my diet. So I, what that really meant is I wanted to stop eating the junk food. And by junk food, I mean sugary coffees, right? So you have to stop the old behavior. Yes, that is the goal. Um, but you don't necessarily have to stop it completely. I don't know. There's some debate around that. If it's an unsafe behavior like using illicit drugs, you probably should stop it completely. But the thing is, what I'm getting at is that um, you should have something to go in its place. You don't just, nothing exists in a vacuum. You don't just stop and then you just stay stopped and all you did was stop. That's not how it works. You have to have a new 
healthier behavior to go in its place. So, like, with the sugary coffee example, um, I, like, got, because I like creamer in my coffee, so I got some, like, coconut milk creamer that was, it didn't have any sugar in it, unsweetened, just coconut milk, um, because, like, dairy creamer is sweet, too, and that's a whole 30 thing is no dairy, right? So, um, so, yeah, I just got some coconut milk creamer for my coffee, and, of course, I didn't like it at first. Of course, it wasn't the same, but after a while, now I'm happy to just drink coffee with nothing sweet, and I don't think I'll, I'm, I don't have any desire to switch my coffee to drinking it black. Some people, they're like, that is the goal, because it has almost no calories when you do that. Whatever, that's fine, but this goes back to what I was talking about earlier. You have to want to do something for it to stick. So I was able to, I wanted to stop drinking such sugary coffee, so I was able to start drinking coffee with unsweetened coconut milk in it, and that's fine. I like that. Now I'm happy with that, and that's that feels fine to me. Um, but I have no desire to stop using any kind of creamer at all in my coffee, so that's not going to work. I'm not going to do that because I don't want to, right? To trace back to that, like you have to want to do this, right? With With our stages of change, you have to, be ready to do it. It has to be something you want to do. Like we're, we're not talking about forcing this stuff on other people who you think this change would benefit them, right? We're talking about things intrinsically that you want to change about yourself. And there has to be a reward for that. Like for me, I'm like, I knew I was crashing from the sugary coffees because there was a lot of sugar in them. So my reward was now I actually don't feel that two o'clock crash as much because I'm not consuming a whole crap ton of sugar in the morning, right? Um, so then another thing like related to that word reward thing is how can we think of ways to make our new behavior fun? So maybe, maybe there is no intrinsic reward to your new behavior you're trying to cultivate. Maybe it's like, I don't know, like with the, the song thing, the intro music thing, the reward I'm hoping you get from doing that, if, if you choose to, is to is a sense of peace, right? Uh, but maybe, maybe it doesn't, you know, I don't know, maybe it's some other behavior that you're like, I know I need to do this thing, but I don't actually feel an intrinsic reward from that. I don't know. Um, it's hard for me to think of an example because I think with uh, exercise or clearing up your diet. I don't know about you all, but all of that stuff has intrinsic rewards for me. Just living healthier, I'm like the reward is feeling better in my body, feeling more sattvic, more that's the um Sanskrit term for like pure. Uh feeling more pure in my body and mind, right? So maybe it's not something like that. Maybe you don't get an immediate reward you know maybe you're like I hate eating kale it gets stuck in my teeth I hate it you know whatever maybe you don't get an intrinsic reward and you have to kind of convince yourself um that there is a reward from doing it or maybe you reward yourself with a piece of chocolate I don't know you can like give yourself a reward something you like for the behavior if you can't think of an intrinsic reward for the behavior that you want to start doing. So let's go back and sum up what we've talked about so far. If you want to make some change in your life, you have to set up yourself for success by first wanting to make this change and knowing why you're doing it and preparing for it. That's related to what we talked about in the last episode. And then maybe you have to stop whatever old behavior you're wanting to stop. So if you're if your change you're wanting to make is related to stopping a behavior, you might be better off picking a new behavior you want to do in its place. Like for me with with stopping using drugs, it was yoga, right? Like I would just do a lot of yoga or go to the gym in my spare time so that I wasn't uh, you know, idle hands or the devil's playground, right? Um so I had to fill my time with something else so that I wasn't getting bored and wanting to go back to the old behavior. So instead think about what are you going to replace that behavior with and then start switching your samskaras, your neural pathways to wire towards doing that new behavior instead of 
the old behavior, right? But then also, next thing we talked about is you don't want to have too much rigidity around adhering to that new behavior because so maybe if it's something that's unsafe, right, that disclaimer I feel is necessary to make that um, if you're trying to replace an old behavior and it's unsafe, like absolutely get whatever systems you have in place to keep you from doing the unsafe behavior. But if it's just something a little more benign, um, really going easy on yourself, cultivating some self-compassion and releasing your rigidity uh, there are actually studies that show that when you people that are less rigid rigid around the habits they want to create. So let's say you missed your morning workout or your morning whatever session, yoga meditation session that you wanted to do, or um, you mess up with your diet, say with breakfast. I don't know. Whatever the case is, if you were to just say like ah fuck it, like I'll get back, I'll start it again on Monday. Uh, instead of I'll try again, uh, maybe I have some time at lunch time in my workday to get in a little practice or exercise or, or eat a better, healthier lunch, you know? So you're way more likely to have success in creating this new habit or making this change or whatever if you go easy on yourself and say, hey, that's okay, like I messed up, but I'm not going to you know, just go completely off the rails because of this one mess up. I'm going to try again the next opportunity I have to try again, right? Um, that, so that'll present prevent you from getting down the rabbit hole of the what-the-hell effect. Uh, so setbacks are completely normal, right? That's uh, You'll be getting back up for the rest of forever, you know, that whole fall down seven times, get up eight thing, you're going to be doing that for the rest of ever, right? Like we talked about this stuff doesn't just have to be like none of us. I think we're all in a constant state of change. Like everything's changing all the time. So we're always going to have to be adapting. So that's why this stuff is, is really useful and, and applicable to big things like recovery from addiction, but it's also applicable to little things like Maybe a behavior you used to do served you really well, and now you, it doesn't. I don't know. I gave a lot of examples of this over the last episode. So you're going to be applying this stuff to your life constantly forever. Hopefully, you know, I actually, it's good to be content. That's actually a, a yoga philosophy uh, thing is, is contentment. It's good to cultivate contentment, but, and we don't want to get too lost in, like, living in the future but but it's we don't want to be complacent either that leads to stagnancy and maybe even depression and it's extreme so we're always going to be trying to grow and evolve and stuff so you're going to be doing this forever and you're when you try something new you're never going to you might be good at it off gate but um it might not you might not stick with it off gate right so you're going to be trying you're going to be implementing new behaviors forever. So just get used to having setbacks, regression, whatever you want to call it. Um, and just don't have too much rigidity around your process. Right. Um, so then you also have to give yourself rewards, whether that's built in, uh, intrinsic, like you just, you're like, yay, I did the thing. And the reward of feeling good about myself because I did the thing or the reward I get from actually doing the thing, you know, maybe it's meditation and you get a sense of peace or you work out and you just feel great afterwards. Maybe that's your reward or maybe it's you don't feel a reward at all from the thing you do. Um, like let's say it's something in your business you want to implement and you're like, oh, I hate doing this thing, but I know that there will be a reward down the road. Like, okay, you need to give yourself a reward now, like a piece of chocolate or a... Extra, you know, watch TV to reward yourself. I don't know. Whatever it is that makes you feel good, do it, right? So that you're likely to stick to something. So that's a sum up of the things we've already covered, right? Um, that to not be rigid, rigid, rigid to get into the what the hell effect. Uh, you also need 30 days at least, at the very least, that's the consensus, at least 30 days to form a habit Really, it's probably more like 60 days for something to become a neural pathway, for it to become conditioned to where you just do it. You're not having to exert effort to do the thing. And also, 
aside, um, it's good, like, you want your behaviors to feel like they don't have a lot of effort to them. So that's kind of what we were talking about with the whole diet culture thing is like, if you feel like you're restricting, restricting yourself, if you feel like you're on a diet all the time, instead of like healthy eating is just your lifestyle, it's going to take a lot more mental energy and just energy in general to maintain. So it's not going to be sustainable. So that's why we're talking, I'm talking about all this stuff in conjunct with the incremental change, right? The goal is to create a life that feels healthy in a way that feels easy. You know, it shouldn't feel hard to do the healthy behaviors that keep you feeling good in your mind, body, and soul, right? That's the goal. That's kind of what I'm getting at with all of this stuff is we want to create a life of ease. You know, like we all go through hard stuff. You know, we got stressors, but we don't want stuff that shouldn't stress us out to stress us out. That's the goal. Um, and feeling good in your body, I hope doesn't stress you out. I hope. Anyway, so a couple things that we didn't, or I didn't touch on already that I'd like to, um, are a couple con concepts because I'm thinking about doing other episodes related to these as well. So I'll just briefly touch on them because they are related to, um, they can be barriers or factors in making sustainable change in your life. So one of them is self-efficacy. And I kind of touched on this with the, like, you have to want to do something. But not only do you have to want it and feel prepared or able to become prepared to do something, you also have to believe that you can. And that's self-efficacy. Um, and so it's a little bit like confidence, but it's a little bit different. And I'm going to do a whole episode on it, but... Just know that you have to believe that you can do whatever the thing is that you want to do. Um, that plays a huge role. And then so related to that, though, is your body doesn't necessarily trust positive affirmations. And I've got a whole episode planned on that. But these two episodes, I just, I don't know, they just seemed, I wanted to get them out first. And then we're going to talk about... Um, kind of why your body doesn't trust positive affirmations. So just doing positive affirmations doesn't necessarily get you into a good headspace if you're if you don't believe them. I in like that kind of goes against a lot what a lot of people say is that like you just fake it till you make it or whatever and that, you know, can be valuable, but I found in my experience that when I'm feeling really crappy, I can't like positively affirm my way out of it. Uh, it doesn't work that way, so that's why I'm going to do a whole episode on that. Don't worry, it's coming up probably next. Um, that will be the next episode, and then we'll have one on self-efficacy with some interviews in the mix. Um, then another one is having a network for success. So I wish I could remember off the top of my head who said this quote. I look it up sometimes because it's one of my favorite quotes, but you are the combination of the five people you spend the most time with so choose wisely so that's the thing is um you need to that's another factor to setting yourself up for success is having the people around you be supportive in some way like you know if you're trying to get sober you don't want to hang around people that are like drunk all the time I don't know whatever um or you're trying to change some some diet or exercise or whatever the case those are like the big examples I keep using but this could apply to a lot of things it could apply to a change you're wanting to make in your business or um whatever the case is uh you have to if if you're not it's not necessarily like I want to like I didn't make my partner do whole 30 with me that's not what I'm talking about I don't mean the people around you have to do what you're doing but they need to at least be supportive and you want to put yourself around people very intentionally that will be supportive of the changes you want to make, supportive of the person you want to be, supportive of the way you want to show up in the world. Um, yeah, so you don't necessarily have to be around people that are exactly doing what you do, but hopefully you're not hanging around people who are doing the things that you don't want to do in a big way, right? You know, so like, whatever the case is. Um, and then another one is fresh start dates. So we kind of touched on this 
um, the whole, like, oh, I'll try again on Monday thing. So having, like, a Monday is a fresh start date. New Year's is a fresh start date. Like, I'll start this thing, implement this change in my life on New Year's or on Monday or on the first of the month. And And those things are great. Actually, there is some science behind doing that, that it actually can power up your intention, right? And so that's you know, part of why I love astrology is because we get a fresh start date every month. It's called the new moon. And then there's even more when uh, different planets that kind of represent different archetypes or different areas of our life change signs to a, to another, like say um, the sun is, it, it is moving into Taurus, right? And so the sun represents your, uh, your soul, your authority, it, what gives you vitality, all of those things. And Taurus is like, well, for me, it's in my house, my fourth house, which represents the home, but it also represents, um, earthiness and luxury. So it could also be the home or art. So it's like, maybe you take those two archetypes and you put them together and it's like, oh, this is a fresh start date related to my vitality around my home. And I want to spruce up my home because the sun moving into Taurus is a fresh start date related to my home or whatever. You know what I mean? So that's the cool thing about astrology is it gives us like a jillion fresh start dates and we don't have to put a whole lot of thought into what we're going to do when because we can just do it when astrology tells us to, um, you know. And so that's like it seems cheesy, but it's fun and it works great for me. Um, I live my life in alignment that way. And then the same thing is like the seasons. Um, I find myself a little bit like in coffee season, which is the dead of winter. I find myself being happy to be a little bit stagnant because I'm like, well, it's the earthy season and all the plants and stuff have retreated into the earth. And so I'm going to retreat into my cave as well. And so that can look a little bit like seasonal affective disorder, right? It can be a little bit um, stagnant and depressing in those darker winter months, but uh, I've given myself permission to do that and then restart or have a fresh start to my uh, kind of exercise and a lot of outdoor exercise when it becomes pitta season, which is like the when it starts getting warm outside and becomes summer. So that felt nice to give myself that permission to fr- have a fresh start in that way. Um, but see how it can also uh, become an excuse. I'm like, well, it's the dead of winter, so I'm just going to be stagnant because I can't. And then that kind of tends a little bit towards more depression, and that can be bad, right? So do you see what I'm saying? Having the whole fresh start date, it can be, it can lead to that rigidity where like, oh, I messed up on this fresh start, so I got to wait until the next fresh start. No, have a fresh start whenever you feel like you need to, Monday or New Year's or whatever, new moon, sun moving into, or planets moving into signs, I don't know, whatever you choose, because we are just all just assigning meaning to things, right, and assigning meaning to things has value, and it can be helpful, like having a fresh start date, but if you get too rigid around it, it's not helpful, okay, so all of that um, is kind of the behavioral science and the neuroscience around making positive change, but let's talk a little bit more about the yoga philosophy now, right? So samskaras, you want to be in a groove, not a rut. So how do you know? So another piece related to this is like the chitta vritti of the mind, the mind chatter. Um, It can be hard to know which way to go or what to do. Maybe you know that you don't feel... um, 100% 100% sattvic, right? 100% pure in your body and mind. And like, let's be honest, like who really does all of the time? Like most of us have ever-changing stuff going on. Um, we're always trying to find that balance. Like that's what we're here to do as humans is to continue on that path of like undoing old karmas and working through stuff and then something new comes up in, in its place and then you're having to find the balance again, right? Like that's the whole practice so I don't want to act like you get this stuff down and then you become sophic and, and that's just what it is. You know, no, it's we all have that is the practice of yoga is the calming the mind stuff. 
that's a one of the sutra, one of the yoga sutras is the practice of yoga is the practice of calming the mind stuff and so we uh the the chitta the chatter right we want to settle the mind with our breath work and our exercise or our asana physical yoga practice and our meditation we want to clear the muddy water so that we know which way to go what to do right so are we in a groove or a rut, right? We have to calm the mind stuff and really come to a place of awareness to know if something that we intentionally formed as a groove, as a behavior pattern, as a neural pathway habit, whatever, something that we're conditioned to do at this point, is that serving us anymore, right? We have to cultivate awareness to notice. It can be really subtle sometimes to notice whether something has actually turned into a rut for you, right? Um, and so that's that was something big to learn with, like, the changing of the seasons, too, is, like, it's not really, you know, it might you might be in a rut if you're drinking smoothies in the wintertime. I don't know. Maybe, not for everybody. Um, but so that's why I love this yoga philosophy. It's, a, it's such a broad framework, and especially when you bring in the Ayurveda and astrology to kind of hit all these areas of life and continue cultivating awareness in every area of life in your um in your physical constitution that's the ayurveda piece and and like how you're eating and and living in alignment with the seasons and the astrology how you're um kind of living in alignment in every area of life in the more mental side of things right and then yoga how is your body feeling are you feeling sattvic are you feeling aligned and pure and healthy in your body uh, with your asana practice, and then in your mind again with the meditation practice. So yoga philosophy has given us this kind of energetic anatomy framework, um, like the chakras and the koshas, and now we understand it all from a neuroscience standpoint, and they call it the biopsychosocial model, right? So the bio, which is like your physical constitution, like the Ayurveda, and the psycho, which is your mind, and social, which is kind of your community, and so, but so, and then with the neuroscience, yeah, it's just all, now we have, we put all these things in these little boxes, and we have science around them, and I'm glad we do, but my mission here on this earth is to bring uh, all that into balance for people, and for myself, uh, with the yoga, because it's such a good, um, framework for cultivating awareness and finding balance in all of these areas. So let's end with an exercise. I like to always give you some kind of exercise to do so that you can help implement this stuff in your life. Um, so again, before we go into the exercise, one more even faster recap. So if you're wanting to make a change in your life, maybe it's something you want to stop doing. I highly encourage you to think of a new behavior to do in its place um, instead of just releasing the old behavior. So now that you've got your new behavior that you want to cultivate, um, make sure that you're ready to do that, right? And make sure that you have the belief, the self-efficacy, you believe in yourself that you can do that. And then... You start doing it, right? You prepare, like the stages of change, you prepare yourself, you make whatever preparations to set yourself up for success. Maybe that includes your network for success. You get the people around you on board to hold you accountable or not tempt you or whatever the case may be, whatever that looks like. And then you start doing it, but let's say you have a setback. Setbacks are going to happen, like almost inevitably. Um, you have to release the rigidity around that so that you don't get um, just a case of the fuckets, right? Uh, or put more nicely the what the hell effect. Um, so you'll be getting back up for the rest of your life. Fall down seven times, get up eight, whatever the case is, you're going to be changing things and um, you're going to continue to do it until something becomes so ingrained that it's a habit and you don't have to really try at it anymore, With which with a lot of things is the goal. Like we want to make having a healthy diet um, and having some kind of movement program in your life and hopefully having some kind of um, mindfulness or meditation or breath practice. Hopefully those things are so 
you do them so much that they just become part of your lifestyle, right? Part of how you live. Um, but then you have to cultivate awareness to know whether that has become a rut for you. Is, is it still serving you in the same way? And maybe you need to make some adjustments, right? So here's the exercise. You're going to have to cultivate awareness around what, you know, maybe you don't need to make any changes. Maybe you feel great. And then I don't know why you would have listened to me babble about this for 45 minutes if everything in your life was perfect, right? So if you to cultivate that awareness, that vidya, um, this is a Sanskrit word, is awareness um, or kind of like right knowing around what, Maybe maybe you haven't quite put your finger on what change you need to make. So you need to cultivate awareness first. And so maybe you check in with your chakras or your koshas. So let's just go with the koshas. I'm actually developing a course about the chakras. And I've taught several series before. And I'm really excited to say I'm developing a course on it um, that will be online and virtual. So if you want to be the first to hear about it, go to my website and sign up for my email list because that's where it's going to go out first. Um, but koshas, I can explain that much more quickly. So if you want to check in with your koshas, they're the five sh- or five bodies and each one is made up of a different element and represents a different thing. So the first one, they're kind of like Russian dolls, like nesting dolls. And the first one is the Anamaya kosha, which is the earth element. It's also sometimes it's called your food sheath or just your physical body. So you check in with your physical body, then going deeper below that, you know, you're made up of your physical body, and then within your physical body is your pranamaya kosha, which is sometimes called your breath or your energy body. So maybe you check in with how you're breathing, um, how you're feeling energetically. Maybe you've been feeling really drained lately, and so you have something going on with your pranamaya kosha, your your energy body, and then within that within those two, I should say, then you have your monomaya kosha, which is the fire element. Oh, sorry. I don't know if I mentioned the pranamaya kosha is the water element. So you breathe in and out. Um, it's like water flowing. Um, and then you have your monomaya kosha. That's your mental sheath, your mind. So check in with your mind. How are you feeling mentally? Um, and then there's the vijnanamaya kosha, the intellect or intuitive sheath. So This is referring to a more deep inner knowing, right? So what is your intuition? You have, I've talked about this before, like we all have a sort of, you can, you can intuit things, you can kind of figure them out. It's very subtle. And so that's why I love this model because it's, it's below your thinking mind. It's more subtle than your thinking mind. You have to have a sensate awareness around what your feelings and your intuition are telling you about whatever the thing is. So maybe you tap all the way into that layer. And then um, lastly, the most internal one is the Anandamaya Kosha or the bliss sheath or sometimes called your bliss body. Um, It's the ether or space element. And so that's sometimes referred to as your connection with the divine, right? So maybe it's not so much, maybe when you're checking in with that, you, it, you're not really thinking about your connection with the divine. Maybe you are, but maybe you're thinking about how much are you living in alignment with what feels like purpose to you. So that can be a connection to the, to the divine too. Maybe you're not super spiritual or religious, but hopefully you're able to find some kind of purpose in your life. I don't know, whatever that is. Maybe it's your cat or your kid or your dog or your job. It gives you a sense of purpose. Whatever it is, or it is your spiritual practice that gives you a sense of purpose, whatever the case is. So first things first, you'll check in with all five of those layers, or maybe you come up with something in one of them and you don't want to continue and you're like, okay, I've... um, found my thing and this is it um and that's what you're going to work with so to recap really quickly the five layers are the the physical body the food sheath the pranamaya kosha the vital sheath the breath the um energy life force how uh vital are you feeling 
Um, Monomaya Kosha, the mental sheath. How's your mind doing? How are you doing on a mental health level? Vijnanamaya Kosha, are you feeling um, like intuitively there's something wrong? Are you feeling disconnected from your intuition perhaps? Um, and then lastly, are you the Anandamaya Kosha, are you feeling in line with the divine or your higher purpose in life? So check in with all of those or maybe you stop when you find something that you want to work with. And then next, uh, you'll set an intention. So what is it that you decided uh, you want to go? What is the new behavior you want to create? Or if there's one that you want to release, uh, what what are you going to release and what are you going to do instead? Who do you want to be? How do you want to show up in the world? And then third is practice. How do you want to practice this? So maybe you're journaling about this or maybe you're just thinking about it while I'm talking about it. So just think of, let's say, three ways you're going to practice this or three things you're going to release so that you have space to practice this. Or maybe you think what is going to be the trigger. Okay, so you found your your sankalpa, your intention is the action that you're going to take, the action that you want to make a habit. Or maybe it's not. Okay, this is just another example that could work. Um, what is going to be your trigger for that action? Is it going to be waking up in the morning? You're going to do your exercise or, um, when you feel angry, you're going to take a breath instead, or when you sit down at your desk, you're going to get yourself organized before you just let your energy get all spilled every which way, whatever the case is, what is going to be the trigger for the new habit you want to create and what's going to be the reward? And how are you going to know that you're successfully living your intention, basically? So to go back through those quickly, check in with all the layers of your being. Um, if you want to learn about checking in with the chakras, sign up for my email list. Uh, yeah, so that you can learn more about that. And then set your intention. And then get really clear about how you're going to know when you're living in line with it with that intention, what's going to be your reward? How do you know that you're doing what you're trying to do? How do you know you're accomplishing that? So all of that, thank you so much for listening. I hope it helps. And remember that like increases like, you know, focus on behaving like the person that you want to be rather than focusing on stopping doing the stuff that you don't want to do. Remember that energy goes where attention flows or whatever that cute quote is. And remember always, please, if you want to find me, you can find me on my website, my email list. You can email me on my website or you can find me on Instagram, Facebook. Yogi Scopes is the handle for all of that. Yogiscopes.com and on Facebook and Instagram and actually also TikTok. I just make videos with that. I don't really use it that much. Um, so Y-O-G-I-S-C-O. P-E-S. So yeah, thanks for joining me. And remember, when the music starts, please exhale and notice your breath for about 10 or 15 seconds. And always keep your feet on the ground, your head in the stars, stay in the light. My gratitude to you all. <laughs>